God reminding the children of Israel that my word's simple. It says what it means. It means what it says. And you don't have to overthink this thing. It's not too mysterious for you. It's not too far off. It's not in heaven that you say, well, who's going to go get it? Understanding for me. He says, it's not beyond the sea. Who's going to go over and find it for us? He's saying, my word, the word is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart. Some people think that the Bible is too hard to understand. The text was written long ago and the symbolism and situations seem beyond comprehension. However, today's message reminds us that we can understand what God is saying through the Bible. Pastor Daniel and other teachers can help guide us through confusing passages. But the lessons from God's Word are meant to be learned by all. He will reveal His truth as we continue to study. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 30 with part 2 of his message, blessings of home. I know some of you right now, you feel like you are so far that you've been on a journey and you are just way away. And this is for you, that if you turn to the Lord, he will be moved with compassion for you because he's a compassionate God. He wants you to be home just the way he wants the children of Israel in the promised land. He has chosen them, a place for them. And it's beautiful because he says, not only will I bring you into the land, but notice what it says in the middle of verse 5. It says, and he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Now that's grace, right? Like justice is I give you what you deserve. Like you don't do wrong and God says, I'm going to drive you out of the land, Right? And mercy is, I'm not going to leave you, I'm going to bring you back. But grace is, I'm going to bring you back, and I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to bless you in where I've called you. Now, what's fascinating is, of course, and if you've not really been in church very much, I know many of you haven't, when you read verse 6, and it says, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. I realize that might be an awkward phrase. I remember the first time I was reading the Bible and I read that and I said, wow, that's awkward, you know? And again, like I wasn't, when I gave my life to Jesus, I wasn't like through a church. And so I was just reading this stuff and I'm just like, that's some weird stuff, you know? But after a while, as I would pray about it and I would start to read, I realized that this idea of God circumcising our heart is actually the most beautiful idea. Because what it's saying is that When you start to walk with the Lord, he accepts you just the way you are and he starts working on you from there. And the idea of circumcising your heart, this is what you would call a idea of the new covenant, right? So you read about it in Jeremiah chapter 31. It's a number of places here in the book of Jeremiah, but it's literally saying God's like, I'm going to do heart surgery on you. And the idea of circumcision, obviously, it was a procedure done on the male genitalia. In the Bible, it was done to set the children of Israel apart from the other nations. And the idea was, we're going to cut away what is unnecessary. Now, of course, if you're a doctor or whatever, you might say, well, the foreskin on the male genitalia, it is necessary for these reasons, and we can discuss those things. But be that as it may, 
Really what God is saying is that I want my people to be different. I want them to be unique. And really what he's saying is that for each one of us, God is inviting us into a journey where he changes us. He removes things in our lives and in our thought processes that are unnecessary. He says, I want to change and transform the way that you think. I want you to have the mind of Christ and not the mind of our culture. I want you to live differently. And I want you to think differently. And I want you to value different things. But the beauty is, is God says, look, you don't have to worry about it. I'm going to do that to you. And listen, for all of us, we're all a renovation project. You realize that? Whether you've been walking with Jesus for many decades or you're going to give your heart to Jesus tonight or you're not ready to give your heart to Jesus tonight, you're going to do it in two months. All of us are being renovated by the Lord. And every single day is the next day for God to be doing something. I was, I was just talking to somebody about that here at Crossroads because, you know, we, we've been, as a church family, we've been on this campus since 1980. You know what I mean? And so you think about it, it's like we've been on this campus for 35 years and so we're always fixing something. You know what I mean? Like there's always like, like you get a bathroom fixed and all of a sudden you get like an AC unit that goes out and then all of a sudden the AC unit goes out and you got, you know, a ceiling falling in over here and you're doing this thing and, and some of the things you plan for, you're like, I need to get this thing done. Other things that just happen, you just figure it out. And in a lot of ways, all of our lives are like that. That there are certain things that you plan for, like I know God wants to change this in my life. And there's other things that things just happen, and when they happen, God starts working. Certain circumstances lead us to certain areas of reconstruction that God's doing. And the key is to learn the fact that God is the great physician. He's not haphazard in the heart surgery he's doing. But he knows very specifically, this is what I need to accomplish. And the ultimate act of the circumcision of the heart is when someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus. Because what you're doing is you're letting the surgeon live inside of your heart. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus knows how to conform us to be like him. He knows how to do it. He's masterful at the work he's doing. So You have to ask yourself this question. Are you allowing the Lord to circumcise your heart? Or are you, and I can say this because I've done this so many times, it's almost terrifying. Are you the kind of person who God starts to do a work and you resist? And you start to pull away. I don't don't want you to do that. Because it says here, and it's so beautiful, it says in verse six, and the Lord will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, that you may live. See, God's not doing surgery because he's bored. God's doing it so that we would love him and that we would live. And that's why when Jesus comes, he says, I've come that they might have life and they might have life more abundantly. He's saying, look, the work that I want to do in your heart is so that you will love me with all your heart and with all your soul and that you may truly live. So deep down, if we think about it, we actually want God's heart surgery. We want him to circumcise our hearts. But the problem when God circumcised your heart is it hurts when it happens. That's why, you know, you can hear about when if you circumcise a young male children today, they do it in the first couple of days. And science tells us that all of the nerve endings are all attached. They don't feel it. It still hurts, but not as much as it was hurt if you were like 40 and getting that done. 
And you remember that story from the book of Genesis, remember? With one on with Jacob's sons and his daughter and all that. And they had like, well, if you got to want to marry my, my sister, you got to get circumcised. And all the guys were like, okay, we'll do it. And then they went and killed them all because the guys couldn't even get up. So I say that to say circumcision of the heart is, it's messy and it's, it hurts. And there's a recovery that happens when you're in the midst of it, but it's purposeful because God wants to do a work in our hearts that we might love him more, that he can open up our hearts, that he might be able to allow his love to reach us in a way we can understand and that we can give it out. So when God has this desire to do this heart surgery, it's not because he, he wants to hurt us. He wants us to be vehicles for his love, that we might live. And I think about that phrase, that you might live. And isn't that what God's really interested in? Real life? Like how our lives look every single day? You know, like we don't study the Bible so that we fill our heads full of ideas or, or frameworks. We study the scriptures so that we can see what does the life of God look like at street level in my world? What does it look like to be a mom? What does it look like to be single again? What does it look like to be a widow? What does it look like to be a grandparent? What does it look like to have everything fall down? What does it look like for the life of God to be at work in street level where I live? Because that's what God's really interested in. He's not interested in just walking around knowing Bible verses. He wants to those Bible verses to transform who we are, to change the way we see ourselves as we move through this world. God doesn't want us to be detached from this world. He wants us to be fully engaged in this world. So the Apostle Paul could say, for me to live is what? Christ. And to die is gain. So powerful. For me to live is Christ. He's saying, look, I'd really like to go to heaven, but if I'm here, for me to live is Christ. I get to experience Christ on this side, and I get him in the hereafter. It'll even be better. And so the idea is like, if I stay, there's fruit for my labor. He's like, if I'm here, and the Apostle Paul's life was kind of crazy if you think about it, wasn't it? I mean, he had all sorts of issues. But he said, for me to live is Christ. What does it look like for you to allow the circumstances of your life to be God's story because I think what we do is we have a tendency to do a really good job of taking the good things, like that's God, and the things that are hard and being like, that ain't God, when really, maybe what it is is the things that aren't good is the dirty work of changing and transforming your heart. But we want to divorce the two, and I think Satan loves it when we do, because we don't see, this is God's way of making me love him more. Because when I love God, I am who I, it's my truest self, who I really am. Not all the masks I've learned to put on, how I've learned to navigate. This is who I truly am. Now, it goes on in verse 7. It says, also, the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecuted you, and you will again obey the voice of the Lord and to do his commandments, which I command you. And the Lord will make you abound in all the work of your hands, in the fruit of your body, and in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of the land for good, for the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. And so the idea is that God isn't finished, that there is a restoration that is coming. And listen, you can imagine for the children of Israel, I mean, they, like, they're right on the precipice of the promised land. Like, they know they're going to go into this land. There's going to be battles, but it's going to be good. But he's talking about, listen, after all this stuff goes on, 
and everything goes wrong and you end up in exile, I'm going to bring you back and I'm going to curse your enemies and I'm going to bless you like crazy. I think many of us here today, God wants to do a restorative work. That God, you're here listening to this because you like kind of feel like the children of Israel, like, man, I've been away, I've been way out there. And God's like, no, 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 listen. When you come home, I'm going to bless you like crazy. I'm going to do for you what I always wanted to do, but your rebellion kept me from doing it. But when you return, then I can give you all that I want to give you. And we have a tendency to think of this stuff all materially. And what's interesting is God is speaking materially in this case for the children of Israel. When they came back from Babylonian exile, God blessed them. Even think of what God is doing in the nation of Israel today. It's one of the single largest exporters of fruit in the world. It's a desert. It's like in some ways, it's like a literal, it's a literal fulfillment of this stuff. But notice verse 10. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of this law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, again, we've been seeing this all the way through the book of Deuteronomy. Obedience is important. Acting on what you know is important. Obedience is important. Now, as we move on in verse 11, it says this. For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it, nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that, I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. That you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now, what I love about this is these verses begin with God reminding the children of Israel that my word's simple. It says what it means, it means what it says, and you don't have to overthink this thing. It's not too mysterious for you. It's not too far off. It's not in heaven that you say, well, who's going to go get it? Understanding for me. He says, it's not beyond the sea. Who's going to go over and find it for us? He's saying, my word, the word is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart. Now, I love this because listen, the Bible is simple. The teachings of scripture are simple. My kids understand it. And my kids are pretty wicked smart. I think they're pretty awesome too. But they get that we talk about this stuff. And my kids ask some really deep questions. But I know that if, like, it's funny, my little Annabelle, she's three years old, and she's, she's a piece of work, my little one, man. I just love this girl. So at Crossroads Kids, probably about a month ago, or maybe six weeks ago, they taught about Jesus walking on the water. 
And man, Annabelle got the lesson because every time we pray, she's like, Jesus, thank you for walking on the water. Every time, it's so cute, you know? Thank you. I'm like, Annabelle, what does it mean that Jesus walks on the water? She's like, he's not like anybody else. I'm like, bingo. So I'm here to tell you, my three-year-old can get it. It's not hard. It's like God's word is right before each one of us. And the question is, is are we willing to grab onto it? Really what I want to encourage all of us is to be simple when it comes to the word of God. It says what it means. It means what, now listen, I say be simple. I'm not going to say that the Bible is simplistic. There's a lot of really tough stuff in there. There's a lot of things that are not easy to understand. I mean, even Peter says the writings of Paul are kind of not easy to understand. <laughs> you know, and so there's deep stuff in there, but the Bible is pretty plain on a lot of stuff. And I think what happens is, and you see it in our culture today, we don't want the word of God to say what it says. And so we start to try and get all complicated with it. We come up with all these complicated arguments. But really, Bible's simple. What God asks of you is simple. He's like, look, I mean, like, I've been talking with our pastors about this a lot lately, that we have to make sure that we get the main questions right. And all the things to work on in life, what are the most important things? And we got to make sure we get them. We need to major in the majors. Because what happens is, if we're not careful, we try and get better or optimize on the margins. We get the things that are inconsequential. We focus on those things and we leave the biggest questions unanswered. And when you think about it, what's the biggest questions as it relates to the Bible? You love God with all that you are and you love your neighbor as yourself. And we need to say, if I get these things right, actually all the things on the margin will also shake out if we get the big things right. But you have to ask yourself, are you spending most of your time optimizing the less important things? Focusing on getting... They're not insignificant, but they're not the biggest things. And really what he's saying here is like, look, my word is simple. It's right before it. He says, you want a big, simple question from God? He's saying, look, I set before you life and death, good and evil, blessing and cursing, choose life. And my friends, if we just get that right, if you and I get this simple opportunity correct, it will save us and this world a lot of pain. That God is saying, look, I have life for you. I have good for you. And I have blessings for you. Follow me. And he's saying, and if you choose not to follow me, then you get death, you get curses, and you get evil. And he's like, make a good choice. And you see how simple this is? It's funny. It's like, you ever go to one of those places where they give you like a menu, you're allowed to choose three things, but you're only allowed to choose one from each category? I just had this, I was in the airport and I was trying to get some food and you know when you're in the airport, it's kind of scary, right? I almost ended up at a sushi place in the airport. I'm like, no, that's probably not a good idea, you know? So I'm like, I'm like trying to get like a solid meal and I'm like, well, can I get twice of those? No, only one from each category. I'm like, what if I don't get the other category? And she was like very specific. She was like, well, okay, you know? And I'm like, thanks, you're so kind. But in some ways it's like, God's like, look, you can either have death or life. Which one do you want? You can have evil or good. Which one do you want? You can have blessings or cursing. Which one do you want? I know what we do in our generation. We're like, I want a little of both. You know, like, like, I want God's life and I want blessings, but I actually just want to do what I want to do too. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, you can only choose one side. 
I know you're trying to figure out like how you get the gray area. We can get a little bit of both on there, but it's not an all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet as much as we like those things. Where you just need to take your plate and eat what you want. You don't eat what you don't want, and then you go get another plate. And Anybody ever get thrown out of an all-you-can-eat buffet? Am I the only one? I was hungry. They're like, you eat too much. Go home. I'm like, I'll pay double. I'm hungry. (laughs) It said all you can eat, man. I mean, say all we want you to eat. You know, it's like, anyway, that's another story, you know. But to get back to my point, (laughs) God wants to give you life. And God wants to give you blessings. And God wants to do good by you. You have to choose one. And really, when you look at all this, this entire thing is, it's your choice. When I say it's your choice, that's not like, well, I'll figure it out later. It's like, no, this is an important decision because you are making choices right now. And the choices that you are making right now are going to impact the choices of tomorrow. So my friends, God is inviting you to choose life blessing, and good. And he wants you to choose that. But the choice is yours. Notice what he says, though, in verse 17. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear, and you are drawn away, and you worship other gods, and you serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. That verse is tough, right? He's like, look, if you choose death, then you will have it. And one of the things I love, people say this to me all the time. They say, I don't really believe in a God who would send someone to hell. I'm like, I don't believe in a God who could just send you to heaven. He lets you choose. He presents before every person. Like if someone's like, well, if I go to hell, then that's where I want to be. No, you really don't. It doesn't make any sense. But we get obstinate. And he's saying, look, if you choose death, then you'll have it. And if you choose life, you'll have it. Like, it's, it's the power of the choice that God has given us. Why? Because God created each one of us in God's image and God's likeness. And God has the ability to choose. And because he can choose his freedom, he allows us to have the same freedom. And he honors our freedom just the way, whether we like it or not, we have to honor his freedom. So you have to ask yourself this question. What are you doing with the choice that God has given you? If you want death, God will give it to you. And if you want life, God will give it to you. So my friends, what will you choose today? Jesus is real. As Pastor Daniel shared in today's message, we have a choice to make. We can choose the life that God has for us, or we can choose death. That may have been a hard thing to hear, but it's what our lives boil down to. God has an incredible life plan for us, but we have to choose to follow it. It may not be easy, but it will bring us to a deeper relationship with Him and blessings beyond what we can imagine. 
Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is that this year we launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. We would love to invite everyone to come and join Crossroads Southwest Portland on Sunday is at 10 a.m. We're growing, and honestly, not just in Southwest Portland, but all over the country and the world as people join us at our online campus, 9, 11, and 1 p.m. or Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. on our online campus, crossroadslive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will share a very potent message with us. God's plan doesn't depend on any one person. It doesn't depend on you, your pastor, a world leader, or any other human being that will come after you. God's purpose and mission depends solely on Him. He will use people along the way and will use you too if you'll allow Him. In the end though, it will be all thanks to Him. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Cause and Effect. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.